Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, Glory family, you guys can have a seat. I mentioned it earlier, and maybe you've noticed we got a lot more little ones in the room than normal. Yesterday, my family and I um, showed up to the church, just happened to walk into the big kids class, and realized that there was an inch of water all in it, all in the big kids class, just flooded, all the carpet is soaked up into the, the wood, like furniture we have. I mean, all of the carpet that they, the nice little fluffy, some of you really love the fluffy carpets. That bad boy, you could squeeze it and it was just, whoosh. it was a mess. So we got all of the carpet out. We ripped it all out. That's fun. Ripped it all out and dried it up, and uh, the room is in shambles right now, so our children are with us. Um, my commitment to you, little guys, all right, is the Lord's still speaking to you today. He's going to speak to you as well. If you keep your ears open and listen, maybe you have a little uh, paper that you were given, like dive in with us this morning. In fact, in order to do that, you're going to hear a word a lot, and it's the word echo. Anyone ever heard the word echo? Little kids, you've heard the word echo? Can, uh, can any, any little kid in the room just yell echo for me? Just, I give you permission right now, yell echo. Anyone bold enough to do it? Echo! Right? Give me, give, me, give me some loud ones. How about all of you together, all the little kids together? Can you just yell echo? Three, two, one, echo! echo. Yeah, we'll work on that, these kids. All right, it's all right, I'll move on. But the neat thing about an echo is it creates ripple effects. We're diving into this word echo because it's actually, uh, if I can just tell you, it has very quickly this week become one of my favorite Greek words in the Bible. It, echo is not an English word, all right? We, we, it did not, we didn't make it up. It actually originated from the Greek, and now we've turned it into something where a voice is echoed, or a thought is echoed, or and an echo is more like a, uh, uh, you know, ah, 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 But the actual word itself is pretty interesting. It has quickly become literally my favorite word in the Bible because it gets translated into weird ways. It, it's translated to this. Echo is to have, to possess, to hold on to to retain, to experience in a constant state, to bring about, to be able to, or to bring about. That's, you know, double, you know, echo that. The neat thing about echo, though, is any time in scripture where it says you have been given, or you have, or you hold, or now he holds you, all of those words are echo. In fact, if I was doing a wedding again, I mean, you guys just got married. Do you want to get it back up here? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they just got married. One of the very interesting things that we always hear in marriages are to have and to hold, right? Well, if we want to look at that, that could literally say to echo and to echo, which is a little, that's a, can we just talk about how precious that is? Like anyone in the room, like what would it be like for you to tell your spouse, I echo you every day? My life echoes you. Like I hold you 
every day, like what I do, it echoes not just me, but now it's to have and to hold you forever. Like it echoes you. That's just beautiful. All right. So that's what this means. Like every single time it says that you have been given new life, you echo new life. Like uh, it's to bring it about in a constant state. And I love it because um, we often point to a lot of things external to us and say, God, can you fix that? Now just anyone else do this? We point to a lot of things external to us and we say, hey, God, can you fix that? Can you fix them? My marriage is in a bad state and it's not my fault. It's their fault. It's like they are just this way. And if you could just fix them, everything would be good. Can you just fix that? And what we don't realize is often people are just responding as good as they can to your echo. I just need to say that again. Sometimes people are just responding as good as they can to your echo. Like even the most gracious person cannot be around bitter people for very long, right? And often we like to point to the things external to us and God's like, can you just realize that what is external to you is created by your tongue, which echoes. And if you speak that, some of you need to watch your facial expressions. Anyone ever like walk into a room and there's just someone who just clearly has had a bad day and their face is just mean mugging? And instantly what happens? A ripple effect. They echo and now your attitude's bad. It's because echo is a real thing. Our tongues, whether we speak or not speak, create a ripple effect. And often we're like, God, can you just change my work? And God's like, can you just change your attitude at work? Like you're echoing some pretty bad things in there and that's why it's bad. But I will tell you right now, uh, what we don't really realize is how much of a culture our language creates. And then we're like, God, can you just change the culture? And he's like, I'm trying to change you. And you're thinking it's them, you. And so James writes this, and I love it because he just finished this whole little tongue piece. And at the end of chapter three, uh, verse 18 uh, or 13, we're starting in verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast because you're going to be echoing some bad things or be false to the truth. And he continues, verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly. It is unspiritual. It is demonic. Some of you need to circle that word demonic and you're like, oh, demons are not real. No, but your attitude is pretty demonic at times. Like what you're echoing to your home is sometimes pretty demonic. What we echo, he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Now I want to pause. This word bitter jealousy is interesting. Uh, we're going to read where God is jealous, and he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. James will literally say soon that our God yearns jealously, like he has a jealous nature for us. But this word's different, and I always love it when English translates like different Greek words in the same word, and, and it's, it just happens to be in the same section, and we just don't even think about it. 
But this word's a little different. When you see for where jealousy, it's this bitter jealousy that is actually the word, uh, I think it will come out on the bottom. It's the word zelos, where we get zealous. And so literally what it is, you wanna know what jealousy is? It is a zealous heart after the wrong things. Think about it. When you're jealous, it's because you have this zeal, this deep devotion to something, and it's not for God, but it's for that body that you want. And you see that person have that body, and your zealous is now jealous. Does this make sense? You want to be fit, and you see that, and you're like, I want. And so he said, you have this bitter jealousy because you have set your hearts on these things that are ulterior to God, and you don't realize that it's causing ripple effects after ripple effects. You have bitter jealousy. In fact, like I wrote this down, like when I have a deep devotion to something, I end up placing my heart on it and something like it's not gonna sustain. In fact, like sometimes I've noticed I have a deep devotion to my pain. Anyone else? Some of you have a deep devotion to your pain. You won't give it up for the Jesus. You like being in pain. You're like, how do I like being in pain? It's that victim mindset of like, but if I'm in pain, then God will always be there for me. And I'm like, brother, no, he comforts. Like you're missing the point. Like uh, another of us, we have a deep devotion to our desires, to our worries, to our fears. And in this, this zealous and resentful heart will come out. It comes out. And uh, where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder, this disorder. I wonder how many, like if I can, how many of our homes are disordered? Like it just, is your home full of disorder? Is your home full of disorder? Often like we feel that way. My wife is very huge on like, I can't be with chaos. And I'm like, I, amen, I cannot be with chaos. But more than just stuff being everywhere, a disordered home is where there's rivalry, there's anger, there's, there's bitterness, there's resent, there's people speaking and people deciding not to speak. And the not to speak is just as hurtful sometimes, right? Because you're like holding back. And in this place where selfish ambition exists, disorder of every kind occurs. And often we point at the disorder and James is saying, hey, hold up, let's look at you again. We point to the disorder, God, can you just give us a good balance in our home? And he's like, all right, but can you deal with your heart? God, can you just give us some, some, some clarity or I just need some peace. Anyone say that? Like, I just want something stagnant, like God, or, or stable. Like, God, can you do that? And he's like, yes, but can you, own your heart? Can you own your heart? And so he continues. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason. Maybe some of your translations say willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial, it's sincere, it's without hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, I just, we're gonna keep this up because you can tell if your heart is echoing what you actually have, new life, or what you don't wanna have, that bitterness. 
And it's often because at the end of the day, the wisdom that you operate with is more um, rough than gentle, closed to reason. You want other people to understand your reason. It's not willing to yield, meaning you're, you're going to go. You want other people to submit. Can I just tell you, whenever you want someone else to submit to you, that's a good pause for you to be like, is my heart submissive? It's my heart submissive. Because wisdom from above will start this way and have these things, and then what you create and the ripple effect in your home will be good. But this is, whew, hard. In fact, uh, really what it's saying is when you speak, when you act, when you notice things around you going uh, into disorder, I have a question for you, okay? Little kiddos, this is a good question for you, all right? Uh, This is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Have I been operating with the language of my passions or the language of my purity? Can you put that question up for everyone? Uh, This question that I need you to start asking. Am I operating today with the language of my passions or a language of my purity? What I mean by that is, is what you're speaking more about what you want Is what you're speaking more about your anger, your bitterness, your fears, your frustration, what isn't right, what you want to fix, or is it about, it's a language of purity. Am I speaking, you know, the language of, we could say, uh, of uh, cravings or the language of my Christ? Am I speaking a language of lust, like I desire this, or the language of like my Lord? And those are two very different things. Is this coming from selfish ambition or you? In fact, James will keep moving forward, and he says this in chapter four. He says, hey, I want you to look at the quarrels going on around you, this disorder, the the ripple effect happening in your life. He says this, verse one of chapter four, what causes the quarrels? And what causes the fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? James is literally like, I need you to notice all of the disorder around you. What causes it? Is it not your heart and my heart? And he says, uh, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Now, I hope no one, any murders in the room? Like, Hope no one is murdered. But I cannot tell you how many times, my children are in the room so they can attest to this, I cannot tell you how many times that I have killed the joy of my children because what I desire isn't happening. And so my tongue is a little bit harsher. I cannot tell you how many times I have killed the self-esteem of a daughter because I forced my selfish ambition in the place. I cannot tell you how many dreams you have killed because your voice wants to speak your passions. I cannot tell you how many, how many joys, how many hopes, how many places of peace you have murdered because you've walked in with that bad little face and you've murdered it. Why? Because you desire and don't have. 
you desire and you don't have. And that's really, whew, it gets me. Uh, really, what this is, like another way that this can literally be translated is you have passions and your passions are like a soldier within you. Your passions are like a soldier, and it's not a good kind of soldier, but that's literally what it could be translated. You have cravings in your heart, and they're at war in you. That means at all times, they are taking blood in you. They're at war. There's a soldier of your passions, and you can decide to either let that come out, or you can decide to kill it, nip it in the bud. Let it be deadened with the truth of the Spirit, right? The Spirit the sword. And so really, like, this is the questions that I, I've been asking myself. Like, God, am I speaking in the language of my passions or in the language of my purity? Because if I was, I would be a little bit more softer to my kids, right? Am I talking right now with the language of my lust or the language of my Lord? Am I talking right now with the language of my cravings, what I want, or the language of my Christ, my Savior, my Creator, See, he says, you desire and do not have. Whew. Uh, can I just tell you, this is that word echo. Marriages in the room, I'm going to get a little blunt with you, okay? Um, I'm trying to find all the mar marriages in the room. Some of you left already. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. You desire and do not echo so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. This word you do not have is the echo, which means like what you long for is not echoing. Like you wish. It's when Paul says like what I do have, like what I keep doing, I don't want to do, but what I do want to do, I don't do. Anyone like struggle with that? Like this is the same thing. What I um, am echoing in my life, anger is what I don't want to echo, but what I do want to echo, it's just not happening. You're desiring for peace in your home, but you don't have it, so you just murder. That's right, right? You desire for stability in your home, and so you try to control it, and things get killed. And it's just this nasty little cycle we keep going on over and over and that's when that language begins. It says you covet, but you cannot obtain. Now, a constant thing that we got to realize is um, when you became married, married people, your new reality is of unity. And I, your new reality is of unity. That means, like, quite literally, under God, what you do literally affects the person you're united with. And so therefore, when you covet, which that word covet means when you're zealous, when you have your heart set on something that is outside of that union, outside of that unity, you literally will cause disorder. And often you're thinking like, it's their fault, but it's you desiring something else. And so this, it's really... The word cannot obtain is, it means like it's just not going to happen in reality. Anyone ever like um, just have fantasies? Like if he was just like this, that would be good. 
If I could just have a job like that, that would be good. And you single people, if I just found a man like that, it would be good. And we create fantasies. Uh, I wrote a book when I was younger, so I'll say that. There you go. It's back there. Oh, gosh. Uh, no, I wrote a book, and one of the, it's about shame. One of the faces of our shame is our constant comparing. But it's not so much that we compare ourselves with other people. Sometimes we compare ourselves with the reality we want. And we compare ourselves with this fantasy, what we cannot obtain. And you wish you had that man. And so you're, you're like, if I could just find this. Well, the interesting thing, and this like blew my mind when I was research, researching this, uh, a lot of the times the enemy wants to keep us in our fantasies. Do you know why? Because nothing your brain can create will ever hold the presence of God. And so listen, he's literally keeping you desiring a whole reality that God is not in because God's in reality. Does this make it, I need to say that, make it plain? Every single time you want that relationship or you want your husband to be like this and, and you create this fantasy and you're like, why can't it happen? And, and the one thing you're discounting in what you're making up is God's presence. And the fact that God's presence is now makes this a whole lot better than any fantasy you can make up. Because he's healing now, he cannot heal in the what if. Does that make sense? He can redeem your marriage now, he cannot redeem your marriage in a what if scenario. God's not in that. And it, we have to like claim that I'm coveting right now and it's not happening. It's interesting, though, because we feel stuck. And now some of you are thinking, uh, it says right here, like, you do not have because you do not ask. And some of you are like, no, I've prayed to God over and over for him to fix this. And he's not listening. He's not listening. We'll, we'll get there soon because James talks to the people who do ask. But I think we can all agree that there are certain times when we have this disorder in our home and we don't even think about asking God about it. We don't even think about bringing it to him. And there's a couple of reasons, just four. We're going to get them really quick because I don't want to spend time. But write these down and then dive into them this week. Because sometimes when I don't bring things to God, it's because I either don't want it from God. Anyone else? I don't want satisfaction from God. Some of you, the enemy has tainted the fact men in the room. Men in the room. I'll look at all, as many as you can. The enemy has tainted the fact that God Jesus is your groom. And the enemy has tainted this idea of God satisfying you and, and being enough for you because you're like, oh, that's just messed up because he's a, he's a man and I'm a man and all. Oh, he's my bro. No, he's your beloved too. But the enemy has changed this and you're like, so I need satisfaction, but God can't give it to me because I'm looking for a girl. And so you, you know, you're not even asking God for it. You think you are, but you're talking to a wall because the real God's like, I am your beloved. But sometimes I don't want it from God. Other times, like, I don't believe he can, so I don't ask him. Other times, I don't believe I can. I don't, I'm just not good enough to ask you for things, God. I'm not good enough. And the last one, if you want to jot it down real quick, it's like, I don't even think about it. Anyone else? 
I don't even think about it. Like, I don't even bring him my disorder. I don't even think about it. I'm just too caught up in it. And so these are like four common things that you guys can dive into, but the interesting thing is, uh, I want to go back to this echo. Paul writes in Hebrews that you have been given a high priest who has passed through the heavens. So let us then, he says, approach the throne of grace with boldness, asking him for anything, because he will meet us in our time of need. But it's really cool because that word echoes there. He says, you echo a high priest who has done everything. Literally, my life now in Christ echoes his presence. So because of that, I can go to him with boldness. But it's interesting, uh, we will see this direction. A lot of you, uh, it's from what you already have that you should be asking for the Lord to work. But often we think it's out of our lackings that we ask the Lord to work. And like, uh, you have been given Christ, so talk to him. You have been given hope, so talk to him. You have been given new life, so talk to him. And so he keeps going, verse three. It says, uh, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. Uh, James is just hitting us. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, it is, is hostility with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He says, or do you suppose that it's no purpose that the scripture said, hey, he yearns jealously for you, for the spirit that he's made to dwell in you. If you could go back to that, that, that first one, sometimes we think we're asking for the right thing, but what we're echoing, already God knows their heart is not coming at this any, any, anywhere good. Like, I just really want to think about, like, often we ask for things, but what you're showcasing by your actions, by your attitude, is already revealing some things to the Lord. Why would I give you that girl that can meet all your needs when you don't even let me meet any of your needs? I already see what you're echoing. You're already echoing selfishness. You're already speaking disorder in your life. Why would I give you what you're praying for? Because it's just going to fit in with the disorder. Like that's literally what he's saying. Why You ask and don't receive because you're asking wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Some of you, you're like, God, will you just heal my marriage? God, will you give me that job? And God's like, I would give you the job, but you would think it's the job that provides instead of me that provides. I would heal your marriage, but really you would just, you just want your marriage healed so that you stop feeling bad. How many, right? You want your marriage healed so that you stop walking on eggshells around her versus because you want me seen in it, right? Like there's a whole, your heart is already determined that you just want it for you. I'm not going to hear it. You see, sometimes uh, how we treat what we have sort of determines the Lord, like shows the Lord what we would do if we got that thing. To the point where he knows like, hey, your heart is so set on that. Like I even, Greg, your heart is so set on that, that even if I were to give it to you, you, you would think 
that the fruit it would create, the joy, the happiness, the peace, you would think, your heart would believe that it came from that and not me. So I'm not going to give it to you because that's not the creator of joy I am, right? Like, do we see this? This happens all the time. In other words, if you want to write this, that word spend means to exert effort. Like, God doesn't give it to us because we would exert effort. We'd waste time on our own selves. In fact, if God answered that prayer, some of you need to write this down. If God answered that prayer that I've been praying, it would become about me. It would become about me. And that's why he hasn't answered it. That's why. In fact, I wrote a few things down, and uh, this is not on the slides, but this is for some of you. Uh, there are areas in my heart, and if you don't get anything, get this. There are areas in my heart, and this is just me talking like man, man to, to people, all right? There are areas in my heart that I've been asking God for things. I have. I'm like, God, why is it a not yet? Why is it that you're being silent? Why aren't you hearing me? And I genuinely believe this week God is like telling me because you think that provision, that thing will give you the fruit of my spirit. You think that peace won't come until you have that. You think that you will have more joy if you have that. But listen, like I just felt really powerfully the Lord spoke this to me. Greg, my provision does not produce fruit. My spirit does. Did you hear that? Often God says no to that thing because your belief is thinking that thing will give me love. That thing will make me feel peace. And God's like, no, I yearn jealously for you. I want to give you peace, not that thing. Now, if I choose to do that thing later, it's because your heart is finally believing that it's me doing it, not that person, not that, that boy, not that girl, not that job. He is the producer of the fruit, not the provision. He is. Another way that you could say this is if you believe that you're, what you're praying for is going to fix your problems, uh, it's the next one, man. Uh, if you believe what you're praying for will fix your problems, then uh, the God who fixes all problems will jealously not grant it to you because he longs to fix it. He longs to. But God, if I just had that job, all the problems would be gone. He's like, no, I could do this and all the problems are gone. Like I'm trying to hit your heart right now. If I just provided for my family, we would be stable. No, your emotions are not stable. Even if you could have money, that's not going to give you emotions that are stable. So no, he is the fixer of the problems and jealously desires it. And so I love this. It ends with this, the last section, so beautiful of James. Uh, if you put it up, he says, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, uh, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Kate sort of dropped a, uh, my wife drops little word bombs often in our small group. I just love it when she, when she talks. Uh, one day maybe she'll do it up here, but we'll get there. Uh, but she dropped a bomb. She said, I just think the whole book of James is God calling us to humility. 
Because at the end of the day, our pride will constantly keep us from him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, I just want to, like, um, what you resist will go away from you. If you keep resisting the truth of the Lord, you're wondering why you're not feeling the presence of the Lord. And what you draw near to will draw near to you. You draw near to your addictions, your addictions are going to draw near to you. You draw near to that woman who you know you shouldn't be with, that woman's going to draw near to you. You draw near to those things, they're going to draw near to you. And the enemy knows what he's doing in this. But literally, what I echo changes everything. Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee. Why? Because I'm standing in the authority of Christ. I don't need to do that. And the moment I do that, like what we don't, can we just like imagine the spiritual world? What we don't realize is when I stand and say, I will not do that. I will speak peace. I will change my heart. What happens is a ripple effect and the devil must flee. Does that mean like literally like a ripple effect, a sound wave we could say that sort of pushes, you know, as a kid watching those little, uh, little superhero movies and they're just, you could just see the person. Yeah. Just imagine that's what happens in the spiritual world when I say, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give in that. I'm going to draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to us. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.